You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 33. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, Star Coach listeners. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. You know, this morning I have been sitting here working away and listening to several birds just talking away with one another out the window. It is such a pretty sound on an early spring morning. And it's one of those things you know, like one of those pieces of time or when a little something happens and it just sort of fills you with joy and gratitude. And that's, I just felt that rush over me this morning, sort of that gratitude for life being so beautiful and the beautiful spring morning before the weather gets just too hot here in Texas, where even the birds seem joyful and happy with the loveliness of the day. Another thing that absolutely fills me with joy and gratitude is spending time with the guests that come on this show. It has been an absolute huge influence on me in doing this show and how much I have enjoyed getting to know new people, meeting people that are experts in different parts of, you know, our coaching sort of framework, and their willingness to come on the show and share their insights and expertise and wisdom with all of us is just something that I can't be grateful enough for. It has been so delightful to not only meet our guests and bring their content to you, but also to hear from you on what is impacting you and how it's impacting you. That has been just such a reinforcement for me for doing the show. If there is someone that you know that you would like to kind of introduce me to, to consider being on the show, or somebody that you just would like to hear on the show, be sure to drop me a note through the starcoachshow.com. And I'll see what I can do about getting those people onto the show. So this week, we're joined by Peggy Dean. And she's going to discuss coaching with NLP, or neuro linguistic programming. Peggy, first learned about NLP in the 1970s when she attended a presentation with the creator of NLP, Dr. Richard Bandler. She was attracted to the power and the effectiveness of the tool and the technique, so she then began her training with him. Now, for those of you who have actually been in my classes at UTD, especially the Solution-Focused and Four-Square Coaching Framework class, you will hear some of these NLP principles repeated today and see how they influenced the framework and the curriculum of the course. Peggy is a certified master NLP trainer. She's a professional certified coach and a board certified coach. She's been coaching, training, consulting, and mentoring for 35 years. Peggy brings her NLP expertise into her role as Principal Coaching Instructor for Coach Academy International. In today's show, she's going to share how using NLP can enhance our coaching with clients and gives an overview of some of the NLP concepts. So let's go to our interview 
with Peggy Dean. Welcome, Peggy Dean, to the show today. Peggy, it's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I am and have been intrigued by NLP. Neuro-linguistic programming, I think, is an incredible tool that coaches can use, and you're one of the experts in the field, so I'm so excited that you agreed to come and talk to us about it. Could you give us a little bit of an overview of, for people who maybe aren't familiar with what NLP is, talk to me a little bit about NLP. Well, the name itself gives some clues, the NLP, Neuro-linguistic programming, it's thoughts and words and actions. So neuro-linguistic programming. It's a hand-in-hand or hand-in-glove deal with coaching because the structure of language is what NLP is all about. And of course, in coaching, that's in, I would say with coaching, it's about bringing the internal and the external into harmony or alignment. And NLP has tools for doing that. In our Coach Academy International training program, the power of that is that we have the coaching process that we're teaching and the competencies of ICF and NLP are tools that help one do that. For example, coaching presence and building trust and intimacy is our competencies with ICF mm-hmm. and with NLP. One of our principles is about rapport. And so we teach people how to just in moments have an ongoing rapport, which then allows the coaching process to go deeper and deeper. Excellent. What was it that first kind of drew you into NLP? And how long ago was that? This was back in the late 1970s. And I had just come back from overseas. And a friend of mine says, come see this man that's one of the co-founders of neurolinguistic programming. It's something brand new. And so I watched him cure a phobia in three minutes, I mean a severe one, and I watched him be able to gain rapport with all different kinds of people and the processes he demonstrated through the three days. And at first I was wowed, and then I said, well, somebody ought to be taking this into education and business and so forth. And then by the fourth day I said, well, if not me who so somebody well maybe that somebody is me huh and how did you how did you then take it into education and business this was in the early days and so I approached Richard Bandler the co-founder and asked him if I could apprentice with him and he said he didn't take apprentices and uh, started to walk away and then he turned back and he says oh but I could use a chauffeur and I said oh I'll do that I'm just I'm foot loose, you know, I've just come back from overseas. And so he said, show up in Santa Cruz and you can start learning NLP. So I did that. I studied for a number of years. And wow. Yeah. So you studied with the founder of NLP for a number of years. John Grinder and others. So I was part of the early development of, of NLP. And how was it then brought into organizations to make a difference? Well, for example, in in education, when you look at the NLP is based on using our on sensory awareness, using our senses of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, well, feeling, five senses. And so being able to use those in where was I going with that? You were going to tell me how it got brought into companies and oh, how oh. it started bringing value. So in education, 
the awareness that people process and learn differently. Some people dominantly see, other people mostly hear and speak, and others are more feeling oriented. So that was one of the ways that NLP began usage in education, is being aware that you need to present information in whatever way the learner needs to learn it. That was also not only education in schools, but training in businesses. Uh, I think performance modeling is something that's been part of individual therapy and also in performance, so also in business. That means that the, in NLP, being able to model uh, whatever someone is doing, for example, a sharpshooter in the Army or a diver that's Olympic, being able to see what is it that they do exactly, what do they see, hear, feel, you know, and break it down, then you can teach it to someone else. Okay. So it very much became a part of a learning and teaching tool. Yes. And for example, in regard to powerful questioning, well-formed outcomes or outcome thinking is also one of the principles of NLP. And we identify four different what we call well-formative conditions, Mm -hmm. that if those conditions are not satisfied when the coach is working with a coachee, then they're likely not to reach their outcome. The first one is stating that outcome or that goal in positives, what you want, not what you don't want. The second one is testable. In other words, what will you see here, feel, you know, when you get it so that you'll know that you've got it and so that it's as specific as what you have now. And that way you can go towards something real. Mm-hmm. And the third one is it in within your control. Now, you're a coach. I wonder how many times that you've asked a client what they would want or a coachee what they would want to accomplish. And they'll say, well, I don't want to be late anymore or I don't want to have that happen anymore. But that doesn't tell you at all what they do want. So right. it needs to be stated in positives. But then also a frequent one is, well, I just want my wife to do something or I want my, I want my boss to treat me better or yeah. Exactly. And it's not really within one's control. You know, the only thing that's within the coach's control is really their response to that or how they might do a change in their own behavior. So that's the third one. The fourth one is ecology, about if you make this change, how is it going to affect the people in your life and your environment and the consequences and so forth? So it's thinking through all of those aspects. So getting those four well-formative conditions in place sometimes even solves it, you know? Yeah, just working through that and talking about, so what are you going to experience differently? And beginning to think about that might very well lead the person to beginning to look at what they need to do to make that happen. Yeah, and what's it going to cost you, you know? Mm -hmm. How's it going to impact other people? Absolutely. Exactly. So that's how NLP can impact the the competency of of the well-formed outcome or creating the agreement and the outcome. What other steps do you teach coaches to think about when they're working with a client that would incorporate some NLP principles? Well, the fourth NLP principle is behavioral flexibility. So it's in NLP, we've identified a number of assumptions that may not be true, but are really useful. Things like behind every behavior is a positive intention, or that choice is better than no choice. Mistakes are positive feedback or valuable feedback, things Mm -hmm. like that. 
Uh, but also one of them is the requisite variety, which is about the person with the most flexibility will get more of what they want than someone who doesn't have flexibility. So part of that is perceptual positions. In NLP, we look at, see it through the boss's eyes, see it through your son's eyes, look at it from above, look at it as though you were a fly on the wall. So take those different positions to gather more information about what you're wanting or not wanting. Okay, so the coach would then work with their client to consider the other perspectives to consider, it gives more perspective and more options. If you sort of look at the son's perspective or the the boss's perspective or whatever is coming from the other place. And what did you say that principle was? It's a requisite variety. Requisite variety. Okay. That's uh, the way we look at it as an assumption that the, uh, I think that might come from computers, you know, that the controller has more flexibility so it controls. We could say behavioral flexibility is the language that we use in, in working and coaching is that behavioral flexibility gives us more opportunity to realize or accomplish what we want. You said that there were how many of these sort of assumptions that are made through NLP? In our training program, we chose what we consider the 11 most important ones. But in reading different NLP books, which there's hundreds of them now, there's probably more. You could probably gather 15 or 20. Okay. But you think that there's about 11 that are really focused on coaching? Or that can be maybe not focused on coaching, but can be really utilized in coaching. And valuable that if we make those assumptions as a coach, then we're going to be more flexible as a coach in helping our coachee get whatever they're wanting to accomplish. Excellent. And also being able to remain in that curiosity and not knowing, which is an important state for us as coaches. Which is kind of interesting, because if you think about the concept of assumption, usually if we're in a place of making an assumption, we're not curious. But this is assumption in a different way. The NLP assumptions that are being aren't assumptions that get in the way of curiosity. They're assumptions about human behavior. Is that accurate? Yes. For example, one of those assumptions is that is that our coachee has all the resources they need. They may not be aware of them at the moment. And as a coach, we can help them uncover them or identify them or acquire them. They have everything they need to accomplish what they're wanting to accomplish. Which very much goes hand in hand with coaching and trusting the client has the answers and part partnering with the client to come that self-determined, self-directed change is all part of what coaching is about. Excellent. And what other, can you pick one other of the NLP assumptions that you work with coaches to expand for their work with clients? One more example. The map is not the territory. The map is not the territory. What's that all about? Probably the number one assumption that's valuable Meaning that whatever the coachee immediately presents to us, their story is not necessarily what's really going on. Have you ever, as a coach, had asked the coachee what they want to accomplish and they present what they want to accomplish? And then as you ask them really powerful questions, it changes completely, you know? What they thought was something simple to work with becomes a really deep thing. Or what they thought was important, they realize as they've talked about it, that's not really the issue at all. This is the issue over here. So as a coach to know that the map is not the territory. 
which is all part of sort of that flexibility and dancing in the moment and the coaching presence and all of that works together very well as well. In our pre-interview, you talked about your relationship with Thomas Leonard, who is often thought of as, as the father of coaching. And as that, so much of what you've been talking about with NLP, to me, just sounds very much like sort of the framework of coaching. I wonder how much the people who've sort of developed the, the field of coaching came from an NLP background. It could be so. I know that myself and another NLP trainer, we started communicating with Thomas Leonard because we were all doing what we decided to call coaching because it wasn't therapy, it wasn't consulting, and we exchanged forms and ideas and so forth. And that was in the early 80s. Uh, We stayed in touch in terms of exchanging information and growing, and he was in another part of the country, and he was involved in EST, and uh, I was on the East Coast and was beginning to do coaching with executives, and so we just continued to exchange and, and grow and share that. Eventually, he founded ICF, and at that time, I went overseas, and when I came back, I thought, oh, I'll probably join ICF, but then there was a difference that for Thomas, as well as for me, actually, he left. Some say he was kicked out because he insisted that coaching could be virtual. We could do it by phone. And at that time, the people involved with ICS said, no, it can only be face-to-face. Isn't that an interesting piece of history that I didn't know about? So and they were also wanting to take it more in the direction of making it a regulating body and controlling the quality of coaches. And Thomas, I don't know if he shared that on a public basis, but I know at least with me, he was saying that shouldn't happen now. It needs, it, that's like choking a, a young growing plant, huh? Yeah. Yes, and it needed to be able to be more open. Uh, and people do it in whatever way, you know, was best for them if they wanted to do by phone or, or so forth. What an interesting tidbit of history. I did not know that I knew that he had, was one of the founders of the ICF. I did not know that he had a parting of ways with them. And I certainly didn't know that it was because of him believing that telephonic coaching could certainly be done and the powers that be at the time disagreeing with that. And also the wanting to regulate. And wanting to be, it to be a regulating body. It's interesting. So I didn't go ahead and join ICF. And then Coachville, he founded Coachville and Coach University along the way. And I participated in helping develop ethics for those and so forth. And it's only since 2007 that I began to align with ICF and joined as a member. And I'm doing, of course, doing coach training that's approved by ICF and Isn't that an interesting kind of evolution for you as well? I mean, if you had started this back in the late 70s and the ICF was established in the mid 90s, you would have really kind of been one of the bottom or the first level of coaches going through the ICF. And you were like, I'm not doing that if if there's an issue. And and it was just recently that you joined. That's kind of fun if you think about it. Yes, I run into people and and they'll say, how long have you been coaching? And I'll say about 35 years. And they'll go, well, there wasn't that you couldn't be because that coaching didn't start until the 90s. And I'm going, oh, no, way before that. And, you know, NLP practitioners, Although they're more directive than I would say the coaching process that ICF lays out, it's there's a lot of harmony in the two. I mean, if you went to an NLP practitioner, 
rather than to an ICF coach. Mm-hmm. It would probably, the main difference would be that in the coaching, you might have a number of sessions and ups and downs of, you know, and working in that. While with the NLP one, it would be maybe just a one session or two and fairly dramatic change. Interesting. So if somebody wanted to know more about NLP, what kind of resources do you recommend for somebody to explore more about the whole process? I think most people could find probably an introduction to NLP in their local area and just go and get a little taste of it. They would learn about a few rapport skills and some of the techniques. I would recommend to anyone the Coaching with NLP for Dummies. Okay. And the the book. Yes. The people who were approached by the Dummies organization were really good NLP trainers and practitioners. And there, someone could almost learn how to do it by the book, except coaching and NLP are behavioral skills. So I think the best way is to engage in face-to-face training. So to actually do a training. But I will put the book that you're referencing on the resource page at starcoachshow.com so that people will know which book you're talking about. I will definitely post that. Excellent. Thank you. It's backwards. <laughs> it's coaching with NLP for dummies. Person's no dummy to get that book because it's really basic, laid out clearly. It does describe the difference between coaching and NLP and how they come together in something that's twice as powerful. So if somebody was just wanting to explore it to see, would I want to maybe do a training, that might be a good resource for them. Yes. And if someone is not a coach and just wanted to to get NLP, there's also NLP for dummies. So it's not a book that relates it to coaching. But I think for coaches, the NLP, the coaching with NLP is the best. Excellent. Good. So, you know, you've been a coach for years. So I'm wondering if you happen to have, and I know I didn't set you up for this, so you might not have, but I do wonder if you have an example of how NLP can help a client make some, like you said, either dramatic change or significant awareness. An example of how you've worked with somebody with NLP to have that awakening. Well, one of the most powerful tools is what we call logical levels for change. And this is looking at a model of environment, behaviors, skills, beliefs and values, identity, and mission and purpose. All of those six different logical levels that are in our brain. And with that model, if if we use that as a coach, we can determine where the misalignment is that's causing the problem. Is it a belief that they have that's stopping them from getting their outcome? Is it because they have a behavior that's in place that's not working? Is it because they're not being the kind of person they need to be in order to have that outcome? So it's a beautiful model for that. I can give you an example of someone I worked with who went to a brown bag lunch at his office and became convinced that he needed to exercise because it was about good health and that, you know, if you're sitting every day at the computer, you should be moving. So he went and got jogging outfit and shoes and That's the most fun part about doing an exercise program, going out and buying all the stuff you get to do for it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Getting all the advice about how to do it. He went home and he set his alarm clock earlier. He was going to do it early every day and changed his coffee timer, you know. So the first morning he got up and he went and did it. 
And he even went twice as far as he had been advised to because he thought, well, I might as well do it while I'm going. It feels good. Second day, he was a bit sore. He got up and, and did it. Third day, he, the alarm went off and he got up and he went, oh, no, it hurts too much. And he went back to sleep. Fourth day, he was determined to get back on, his, on the routine. Then he remembered that he had a report that he needed to have ready for a presentation mid-morning at work. So he said, well, I don't have time to exercise. I'm going to go on to work. He never did put his outfit back on. If I look at that in logical levels, he made a change in his environment. He made a change in his behavior. He gained the information about the skills he needed to do it. But you see, as we're going deeper into the logical levels, when we come to values and beliefs, he didn't believe that this was as important as his work or that it wasn't important enough to endure a little pain. So he didn't have a belief in place that sustained him. While there's plenty of people who have gone and done, maybe even in in that same luncheon that went and got their outfit and they proceeded and did it every day and it's part of their lifestyle because they had a belief that unless they improved their health, their work would suffer and their personal life would suffer, you know. So they had beliefs about it that were attached and maybe even saw themselves, began to see themselves as a fit person, you know. But they could actually kind of own it and visualize it and see it. And So that's and- what I did in working with him was, was help him to identify the beliefs he would need to have in order to do something for his health and the kind of person he would need to be in order to engage in that and sustain it. And then to look at, at his mission and purpose in life, you know, what sources him, where does he get that motivation to really do something, which we were able to identify in another part of his life. And as it worked out, we got the beliefs were in place and so forth. And then he decided to do something else in terms of fitness. He decided to join a local gym and get a trainer and really be serious about it. So so he came to the ultimate goal, which was better health and well-being. He just went about it a different way once he was able to really explore with you his values and what was important to him and, and what maybe even was a better fit for him. Yes. So that's a way of using the logical levels, you know, with a coachee is to be able to identify whatever they say they want to accomplish, then identify, well, what would that ideal environment look like and what behaviors would you need to engage in to have that environment and what skills would you need to access and what values and beliefs would you hold and believe and then what kind of person you need to be and then where is that source or motivation that you kick into gear for anything that you accomplish. So then you have an alignment that that makes it possible for someone to actually accomplish what they want to. And isn't that really what people partner with us for to actually accomplish what it is that they're wanting to accomplish? So that's a win-win on both sides. It certainly helps our clients get where they want to be. And it feels really good to help somebody get where they want to be as a coach. I think so. And also as a coach to have a model of these logical levels so you can identify where that misalignment is or where you need to get a stronger alignment for it to happen. That's really helpful information. And as you said, there's many different trainings across the country for NLP. If somebody was looking for NLP to even do a Google search on NLP, and then I will put the dummies book up on the resource page so that people can access it. Peggy, any final thoughts about the importance of the concepts of NLP when somebody is coaching clients? Any final thoughts? I think that 
any coach who has not explored NLP would do well for their own excellence, not only as a coach, but also for their continuing growth as a coach. For example, in our coach certification trainings that at Coach Academy International, one of the things that our participants say when they come out of our program is that, wow, I came here to learn how to be a coach. I had no idea all of the internal growth that would happen in my learning that. And absolutely key, because if, if we're not doing the growth and the learning, how can we really partner with others to do that as well? And I think also it, it's about the perceptual positions we were talking about earlier. In other words, as a coach, if I'm going to the coach training and part of that training has me practicing being a coachee and also then being an observer, then when I go and coach someone, I know how it feels to be in their shoes. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I'm right in the middle of grading it feels like 100 papers, but it's about 30 papers about and it's a reflection paper on coaches that actually leaders who are learning coaching as a leadership style. And they had to be in a dyad where they did some coaching and they were also the coach. So they were the coach, they were the coachy, and now they're writing about the learning of that. And over and over again, I'm hearing that they are learning to be better coaches when they're in the client seat as well. And I think there's something so strong to be said about that, that we have to be a client as well to be able to really explore what coaching offers and and how we can be the best coach because we have to see it from each perception as well as being an observer. That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us and sharing your great wisdom and maybe giving just a window into what NLP can offer for coaches. Thank you, Peggy Dean. As coaches, we want to partner with our clients to help them dig deeper and build new awarenesses. And that is certainly something that the tools and techniques from NLP can help us do. So I want to thank Peggy Dean for joining us today. And as she said, just touching the tip of the iceberg on all that NLP can offer us. If you'd like to know more about Peggy Dean or about the resources that she discussed, and of course about the Star Coach Show, visit starcoachshow.com and go to the resource page. In addition, on the contact page, you're going to want to sign up for the free book giveaway. This is our last week of offering Smart Match Alliances by Judy Feld. And you can't win in the free book giveaway if you don't sign up. So be sure to visit the site and sign up. We have some really exciting shows coming up soon. This next week, we're going to talk with a relatively new coach who came through his coach certification less than three years ago and has built a phenomenal coaching practice. And he's going to share how he did that with us. We also have the opportunity for you to potentially be a guest on the show and do a coaching demo with you. And that's exciting. That's coming up right around the corner as well. So be sure to be listening to our shows. If you don't ever want to miss a show, be sure to subscribe at iTunes and it will be delivered to your smartphone each and every week. So 
This is Meg Rentschler thanking you for joining us and wishing you the very best for your coaching success. We'll see you next week with more information about our upcoming membership site. Take care.